microphone on today because that way I don't feel like I have to project. And I don't have it to project anyway. But we are in, if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 10. And we're going to begin with this prayer. And then we will, um, and then we'll get right into it. Glory, will you guys pray it with me? Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers, and keepers of this word. Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 through 10. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So a couple of weeks ago, I um, asked Tyrone and Karina if they wanted to preach any of these upcoming sermons. And I know why they didn't choose this one or the next one. <laughs> um, I have so many questions about this passage and the next passage. Like as I get into it and I'm studying, I'm like, I'm reading these commentators and they're like commenting on all this different stuff. And I'm like, you guys are just, you guys do what I do. You don't answer any of the hard questions. You just kind of skim over some of this stuff. And I have so many questions. I and The truth is I'm kind of glad that they don't try to answer them because I don't think a lot of the questions that I have can be answered uh, by any human. But here in this text, we see Satan released after the thousand year reign of Christ where his Christ's peace was on earth and the saints ruled with them. And, and then uh, once again, an unrepentant Satan is let out and he deceives many people of the earth again, like he's been doing since the time that he first roamed the earth. And I like how Ben Worthington uh, III puts it in his commentary on this section. Satan is released and immediately bad things happen. That's what's going on here. <laughs> I think I like it because he's a really smart guy and he just puts it so simply and so succinctly. Bad things happen. And the rest of his commentary was fine, uh, but that was his best comment. But I believe here the key to this is that Satan is unrepentant. Satan is unrepentant. He's not willing to submit to the lordship of Jesus. He's not willing to allow Jesus to be king of kings and lord of lords, at least in his life. He's not willing to do... Um, to do any of the worship that Jesus would uh, is owed because of the glory due his name. And he's not, and he can't do anything about it. So he's mad. He's angry. He's, he's, um, he's just fired up. But yet one of my biggest questions about this text is why was Satan released? Why was Satan released? So in, in what is it, the text kind of says is that, um, it is shown that uh, what is shown shouldn't be that big of a, a surprise that as soon as he's released, he desires to deceive the nations once again, amass an army once again, and yet more make a feeble attack at destroying Jesus. We've seen this time and time again, and we see this yet again from Satan at the, at the end of the, the time. And this is what we've come to expect from Satan. 
a being who uses lies, uses cunning, uses deceit uh, to gain worship that is not due him. He's deceiving people, tricking them so that they will worship him instead of worship Jesus. And he doesn't care how he gets it, but he really doesn't like it when Jesus is worshiped. We've seen that time and time again. But my actually my biggest question about this text is maybe a little bit more accurate in the asking is, why does Satan have to be released? Okay, we know that he is, and I've got a big why about that, but why does Satan have to be released? And I, I think to this, um, I'm going to have to wait until Jesus answers it best. But I will say this, in the meantime, we get to trust him. Like, even though we don't know why he was released or, um, or uh, why he was released, we can um, uh, just trust that Jesus knows what he's doing because oftentimes we've seen scenes like this one play out in our own world where we feel like, okay, we're in the middle of a pandemic and then we've got all sorts of riots, not only here, but all over the world. Then we've got, you know, um, uh, so much confusion politically, not just here, but in the rest of the world. And so much is going on that is so, so much big questions and our jobs to trust Jesus in the meantime. But here uh, today, I'd love to talk um, about Satan a little bit. So I didn't stutter. I know I've said that, but I'd like to, he's mentioned over 30 times in the New Testament and he's even referred to repeatedly by Jesus. Satan is a name and a being. His name means slanderer or adversary. So a direct translation would be something like that. And a slanderer is someone who simply makes false accusations. This could be a false accusations about others, but false accusations about themselves as well. Like Satan makes false accusations that he's God, he's to be worshipped, that he's greater being. And these are false statements, and he's a slanderer. And um, a slanderer is one who, in the slandering, as they're saying these lies, is attempting you to get, believe a lie. They do so willingly, knowingly, and of their own benefit. Think of uh, maybe in our, in our context in America, used car salesman or something like that, who they know they're selling you a lemon and they do it just so that they can make a buck. But even so much worse than that. But for some, uh, uh, some gain, uh, Satan is the chief slanderer. He's the one that puts slanders in the hearts and minds of everyone else. And, and then an adversary is one, it's just simply one's opponent in a conflict, a dispute, or a contest. And this is who Satan is to us. He is not our friend. He is not a good person. He, um, he is a deceiver, a slanderer, and he is um, our adversary as we desire to follow Christ in all of life. So when Satan is unleashed, and so I, we could say it this way, when slander is unleashed is God's adversary. There is chaos, confusion, disillusion, the whole nine yards. Where we, generally, um, where we generally focus in on like Jesus being the light and Jesus being the life and being the breath and being the bread and the wine, uh, Satan is the opposite of all these things in, in every way. Or at least uh, like he is our true adversary. He wants to keep us in the dark. He doesn't want us to see the light of day. He doesn't want us to see the truth of Jesus. And, and whereas... Um, Satan loves death over life. He would take that any day. He wants to steal the Holy Spirit's life-giving breath from our life. 
And he'd rather that we don't eat or drink of the Jesus broken body and shed blood because when we do this, it reminds us of Satan's defeat. And he doesn't want to be reminded of that either. But as followers of Jesus, we rejoice beyond like a simple celebration or cheering. We have deep joy when Satan is defeated. This is at the end of time, but this is also in the little victories that we gain in our life along the way. We want our adversary to lose, and he is our adversary because we belong to Jesus, and he's constantly attacking Jesus, and he's constantly attacking us. In the New Testament, we can see Satan's actions. They're they're displayed for us. His actions uh, and his demons' actions are seen as well. And we see that Satan is the one who entered Judas as Judas went to betray Jesus. That's what the scriptures say. That Satan was the one who tempted Jesus in the wilderness after Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. I'm pretty sure Jesus was hungry. I've only done like, I don't know, not 40, not even close. And I'm pretty sure he's pretty hungry and he's pretty thirsty and he was, he was, um, that he was weak. And Satan came to him during this time and was trying to deceive him, saying, all this world could be yours. And Jesus is like, not like that, brother. Not brother. It's not Je- Satan is not Jesus' brother, okay? That would be heresy. So not like that. It was a comment. It was not a theological statement. So uh, <clears throat> I say things. Anyway, we'll, just keep, we'll keep going. You guys already know this. In the early church, Satan was the one who actually filled Ananias' heart with a lie to lie to the Holy Spirit about the money when he sold his property. That's who Satan is. Satan is a great deceiver and a great slanderer. Satan often does false signs and wonders, and many of these signs and wonders have amazing power. You'd look at him and go, wow, like that is incredible. How can you do that? And Satan, but then Satan also tempts us to go away from Jesus at every single turn, to then worship the great power instead of Jesus, because he doesn't even need the worship as long as he can detract it from Jesus. He wants us to fall prey to idols and trip us up. He wants us to fall, uh, to fall before we worship Jesus. He wants to fall, have us fall on our knees before something else. And in John 10, 10, it says, Uh, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he is not always blatant in the ways that he does it. It's it's not always like, he's he's sneaky. uh, 2 Corinthians 11.14 tells us that Satan himself dresses as an angel of light at times, come to deceive. He, he is disguised as trying to help on Rhodes' life, maybe, maybe uh, worldly wisdom or something like that, and yet we fall play, prey to his schemes, and when we do, it never goes well. Anytime we oppose the will of Jesus, we are uh, um, falling victim to one of Satan's even, uh, evil schemes. Even Jesus said to Peter, he said, um, get behind me, Satan. Peter, the one who the church is built on, like that Peter, he said, get behind me, Satan. And I'll read it from Mark. That's Mark chapter 8, 31 through 33. And he, Jesus, began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And Jesus said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. 
For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. It was Jesus' will and desire to go to the cross, and Peter was in opposition to that. Jesus knew what he had to do, and he was willing to do it. He was willing to go before the cross for his love, for you and me. And Peter was standing in opposition to that. I don't believe Peter knew that he was standing in opposition to that quite yet. And if he did, he repented later. But Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter in that was um, not, maybe not attempting to do the work of Satan, but the work of Satan was trying to come through in that way. And if we look at the verses about Satan, we will see that Satan has entered people. That Satan has tempted, um, tempted people, not just Jesus, but others as well. That Satan has deceived others. That Satan uh, attempts to come and immediately take away the good news of Jesus when it's given. So that he wants to steal the grace of God for us. He wants to steal it before it can take root in a person's life and actually change them. The grace of God is given us to us through the work and person of Jesus. And it's so much more powerful than Satan. And Satan knows that. So he wants to steal the idea before it can be rooted in our hearts and rooted in our minds. And we see that Satan is not divided against himself. Jesus said that repeatedly. And his servants don't rebel against Satan. Satan has a plan and he's working it. He has a plan and he is working it in this world. And he's bringing destruction and stealing joy. Satan also, in these verses, he's bound people up. He's had them suffering with pain and afflictions. And so we can see that Satan will use bodily pain and suffering to keep us from following Jesus. That Satan will demand that followers of Jesus be sifted out. He, he is after those who follow Jesus. He wants us to fall and renounce Jesus. He doesn't want us to keep walking with him. Satan tempts us, he harasses us, he hinders us, he wants us to stray. He is the deceiver of the world and not the Savior, but he wants to pretend that he is. Satan is lawless, and in the end, he will be powerless to stop the ultimate will of God. But Satan is going to wreak havoc while he can and while he is here. And I don't want us in this, in saying all this about Satan, I don't want us to fear Satan, but be aware. Be aware because uh, that we can be awakened to the fact that as we try to follow Jesus, we have a real enemy. We have someone who is very active in this world and wants to destroy us. And I want us to live as wise and not as unwise. And wisdom says that if you have an enemy and it would be good to know their tactics so we can avoid, avoid them and in avoiding them, even defeat them. So they won't defeat us. They won't have their way and inflict their will on us. Revelation has showed us many of Satan's deceiving ways as well that we can be aware of. With all the idols and manipulations that we've been talking about the last couple months, all those are to pull away our eyes from Jesus, their manipulations, and Satan will use them and everything else that he has at his disposal. But we know that Satan will not win. Amen? We know this. I love Romans 16, 19. It, it, in, in 19 and 20. It tells us this. 
for your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. This is a beautiful reminder for us. But in this, let us be innocent of the ways of Satan. Let us be innocent of all the evil that the world would would have us fall into. Let us be innocent. And this is a prayer and yet another aim of our walk as we try and walk with Jesus. And being innocent doesn't mean that we don't know about the evils. But it means that we don't do the evils. We don't walk in them. We, we strive to stay out of their paths. We don't give in to evil schemes and Satan's tactics. We don't walk away from Jesus, but we keep our eyes firmly fixed on him. And we are only um, innocent of evil through Jesus' broken body and his shed blood. This is the only way. And we are only innocent because Jesus has taken away our evil thoughts, our evil deeds, and he's replaced them with his righteousness, his right thoughts, and his right deeds. And may he continue to do this in us day in and day out. And may we receive this by faith and walk into it. We see in this text that Satan comes out and he deceives Gog and Magog. And these are represent, representatives of evil nations. They can have other names, names that we would recognize in history as great civilizations and governments and leaders that that fill our human history, but they are laying in wait. It's almost as if they, they wanted to be deceived by Satan and fight God. I think probably my second biggest question about this text is how after a thousand years of Jesus' reign of peace on earth, Why would anyone be deceived and line up as an enemy with Satan? How is this? It says that Satan will amass an army like the sands of the sea. Now, I graduated from Monroe and I can't count very high, but I do know that that's a lot. That was a joke me and Jim made the other night. So, I mean, yeah, so I I, I can't count that high. But it says that Satan will amass an army like the sounds of the sea, And I don't understand why after a thousand years of Jesus reigning as king and his peace on the earth, why we wouldn't just line up, everyone just line up behind Jesus. I mean, the battle is over quickly and Satan once again is defeated quickly. But how does this happen? How does this happen? I don't know. I have to flip to the next page to find out if I have any answers, which I don't, but... But I'm pretty sure the answer to this question can wait for Jesus' answer as well. I've looked into many human answers and none of them fully satisfy this, but it seems clear that even after a thousand years of Jesus' reign of peace, there will be people that still don't want to follow Jesus. There will be people that seem willing and ready to be taken away from Jesus, and it seems that there are those who don't like the reign of Jesus. And and they will miss and long for the old days, the old ways, how it was back then. And honestly, this breaks my heart, and I hope it's not us. As we long for, all that we long for as humans, if 
if Jesus was to reign as king and have his rule of peace forever and ever, like his love and his kindness and his light, we look at, in a couple weeks, we'll look at God's kingdom in fullness. But I'll tell you, in Revelation 21, that's what I'm banking, banking on and like longing for. And I know I'm not the only one, regardless of all political or religious affiliation or anything like that. If you could say you can live in a world with no sickness, disease, or death, that it's full of light and peace. I long for that day, and may it come soon. And it, it doesn't have to be this way with the old, the old um, days with Satan, full of Satan's deceptions. Because as Jesus was in the beginning, he is now, and he will be forever. See, as Christians, we believe that God created the world, right? Um, regardless of how you believe that he created them, we believe that God created them. That ultimately, this world is the work of God's hands and God sustains this world. He keeps it spinning on its axis. He keeps the sun and the stars and the moon where they should be. We believe that God is bigger than Satan. Amen. And as Jesus was, he will be. We've seen Jesus defeat Satan, sin and death once before. And he'll do it. He'll do it again on the cross. And this is why I think it's important that we always constantly look to the cross, that we're not just looking back in the cross, we're also looking forward to see and believe that Jesus' victory will once and forever come true. As Jesus went to the cross willingly for us, this is because he loves us and he knows how to defeat Satan's purposes in our life. His broken body and his shed blood. And yet he didn't stay dead, he rose again, and Satan is on notice. He's mad. He knows he can be defeated, but he leads and rules out of fear and anger where Jesus leads out of his love for us and his, his love for his, the glory that is due his name. And his love for us defeats Satan. So let us lean into Jesus' love and his grace. I pray that we may live as wise and not give in to Satan's deceit. Let us lean into Jesus and keep our eyes fixed on him at all time. And let us remember that the cross and Jesus' victory over Satan, that, that let, that re, let us remember that and have that encourage us to continue to believe that Jesus will once again and forever win the victory over Satan that we so desperately long for. Even with all my questions, I don't know if you guys have the same questions, you might have different ones, but even with all our questions, our trust is in that Jesus is greater and that he is victorious and we can believe in that and that Satan will one day be defeated once and forever. So Jesus, we thank you that you are victorious. Lord, we've seen it before and we believe it by faith at the same time. So Lord, will you please have your victory over Satan and sin and death in our own lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.